0: Welcome to Feature, Please, A Hateful Voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. And here we are, Peter. We are nearly to the end of Season 3. This is their 67th installment, and we have finally reached the episode that inspired what has become a a a over-a-year-and-a-half-long endeavor.
1: This is it. This is the big one. This is one before Jerry Ryan. What did we
0: watch tonight? We watched season three, episode 25, Worst Case Scenario. I love this episode so much. Before we talk about anything, after watching it, do you see why after watching this one, I'm like, we have to do a show about this show.
1: Here's what I'm curious about. You've referenced that there is the best holodeck episode ever at some point in Voyager's, you know, what would become Voyager's future. Is this what you're calling the best Voyager holodeck episode? No, there's one better than this. I refuse to believe this this pushed so many of my fucking go buttons. This
0: episode was made for people like us to be able to talk about. And it was just as much fun to watch this for like the sixth time as it was every other time before I watched it with Stevie. And uh, we had a blast. It's this is Voyager at its very best. It's funny. It's fun. It's got great continuity. It's got great character beats in it. Uh, it plays it plays off of the premise of Voyager. Well, it's awesome.
1: It's got exploding shuttlecraft. It's got Voyager crew members locked up in jail. It's got the Queen of Burns. It's got it it's all. It's got it Sunday, Sunday,
0: Sunday. You're only on the edge of your seat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I don't know if this would have been the episode that I would have launched a podcast over. I would have said that this would be a very strong episode not to do like a reason not to do it because it was so good. Whereas non sequitur favorite son some of that other stuff has the easy low-hanging fruit to jump on but
0: um the reason why i i understand why you're saying that like this isn't an episode that's bad so what are we gonna make fun of right that's not the point it's still like there's so much to talk about that is fun to talk about in it you know yeah it's fun for us to like kick the show in the balls when it deserves it and we do a, a damn fine job of ball kicking if you ask me no one did but i'm I'm just saying, if you did, this is Voyager doing it correctly, and it's still fun to just like dissect and talk about and go on a journey as far as like all the implications of this episode and what this means for like what these characters did and and that sort of thing. And I just I fucking love it.
1: I want to start us off on the the writer, which is Kenneth Biller. And Kenneth Biller has had a very checkered history with Star Trek Voyager. He has had. Some of the absolute low points, uh including Logium and Twisted, which Q of the Grey, I mean he he's really responsible for the what's what of Voyager war crimes. But man, his high points, he fucking nails it. And I just I can't wrap my head around this guy. He's got Unity, he's got the shoot, Tuvix, which I enjoy. Um, Jatral faces so it's a mixed bag and (laughs) sometimes you're going to pull out a scorpion, you know, no pun intended that's going to stab you in the hand and sometimes it's just an absolute swish like this I read the, you know, let's kind of start backwards here, I read the memory alpha on this thing and there's not a lot really discussed there And, and what is on it, I thought was very interesting that This show is essentially kind of like a writer's room joke, like a Hollywood inside, like a Birdman, right? Where if you're not really part of the entertainment complex, you're going to miss a lot of the stuff. I think a lot of the jokes that get told in this about finding characters, true motivations and being true and all this other stuff. It's very clearly now that I've read it, the writer's room talking about itself, but all that went right over my head. And I just saw an awesome use of the holodeck. Uh, an engaging use of Voyager's own history and
0: some really fun Star Trek dialogue. You're absolutely right. It was there's some real tongue in cheek fourth wall dialogue too. to uh, inescapable um, reference to Star Trek and fandom itself. Uh, later on in the episode, like this episode has fun yet. It has a, a space conundrum that it was just delightful that yeah. I, I fucking loved. And everything about it just comes together so perfectly, including how they get that get out of it. You know, absolutely. It's, it's 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 an episode that I have been looking forward to start talking about for what is about 19 months. So, Peter, where do we start?
1: We're unfortunately going to start with the Netflix capsule, which yet again completely undermines, I think, any of the surprise fun that could have happened with this episode because we went in knowing damn well it's going to happen, and it basically takes the entire cold open and just throws it in the trash because you and I walk into this knowing that it's going to be some sort of holodeck simulation, uh, and I think that ruins what it would have been a, a genuine good surprise because when we come in, we start with what uh balana walking through the
0: hallway right that is correct and she's in her uh, in a gold uniform but uh, there's subtle hints through the beginning of this episode that tells you something is up balana's uh, uh rank insignia is not correct uh, she is referred to as ensign at one point she's working on a random station on the bridge there's there's lots of visual cues that are small to begin with that kind of tells you that there's something wrong. Obviously, there's larger ones that come, but she's she's walking through the hallways and she's approached by Jakote, who seems really friendly and then starts asking if she's still had getting a hard time from Tuvok and kind of being real uh, being real suggestively chummy about why Tuvok sucks.
1: Yeah. And he drops a few other things throughout this conversation, which when I started off, I'm foolishly sitting there writing in my book, like all the inconsistencies like this is wrong. That's wrong. This doesn't make sense. This hairstyles off. Because, of course, we'll later come to find out that this entire scenario is set in very early season one.
0: And it's all consistent with early season one, too, which I thought was really cool.
1: Right, yeah. So all the stuff I'm about to, you know, sit there and try oh, right. and All right,
0: yeah. The, Everything you're complaining uh, about, you're like, "Oh fuck. I am the Jabroni. This is all compl- <laughs> I'm the Jabroni now."
1: Oh no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Chicote's leaning in and he's got a lot of charisma. Uh, a a a amount of charisma that we have never seen out of Chicote before. And he's being smarmy and suggestive and starts coaxing her into trying to warm up to the idea of taking the ship away from Janeway. And this is essentially going to become kind of like a big choose-your-own-adventure live-action immersion experience here. And, you know, we joke about video games throughout this, but that's that's totally what it is. It's a, they hit these fork-in-the-road moments where the player is going to decide how the rest of the simulation is going to unfold. And in this first uh, experience... Janeway shows up on the bridge. She says, uh, well, I'm going to be going off on the shuttle with uh, Tom Paris. The bridges will be your, you know, the ship's yours. There's a first time for everything. Chakotay seems real warm and, and nice to the fact that he's going to give it back to her in good condition. Suggests that Tuvok and the stick up his ass should go off and protect her on the mission. But Tuvok seems pretty adamant about staying in his post and off uh, the captain goes to what will become a a, a shuttlecraft accident
0: to happen. I, I, Meanwhile, I, so uh, Stevie did not know that the premise of the episode, what we sat down the. Hey, it, lucky her! I know that's. A- and so, to the point that you were raising about like the little things that are wrong, she started bringing up like she started looking at this the screen strangely. And I'm like, the fuck does she mean? Like the first time that he's taken over, like yeah. she's been in charge a bunch. Like this doesn't even make any sense this is weird and He's like and she's like, What's the best thing about it and she's her first thing is this like some more time shit because this is like she she like called it like this feels like this is happening like in the past and she's I'm you know obviously I encouraged her to follow that thread and continue to watch but uh yeah she's she sniffed it out too of like that line in particular of, of, is what clued her in of like this is weird this is not the first time he's been in charge this is like the 27th time he's been in charge because unfortunately on
1: this show you've got one of three things that could be the truth uh, one time travel bullshit two, a legitimate flashback i guess four things you know an alternate reality or something or the worst culprit sloppy writing or a situation where you have something that is filmed legitimately earlier in the production timeline and for whatever reason did not air in its correct order and now it's just shitty continuity because of bad show running and (laughs) when you're in these things where you encounter it's like i i don't know how to take this is this an in-character fuck up or is this just bad
0: tv who knows you can only find out by watching deeper the captain and tom will leave they go to warp couple uh of heavies to show up on the bridge with a, a pad um tuvok is slightly suspicious but doesn't follow up because of course he's a terrible security chief oh oh we gonna get to that
1: and was well, one of those guys nice smoldering catcher because i i re- i kind of
0: vaguely remember yes. the wild looking ginger Yeah, one of them was, in fact, Ayala. Uh, He gets name checked uh, and gets uh, several moments of FaceTime in this episode. I don't know if you've noticed. Mm -hmm. But uh, Smoldering Catcher Guy and Wild-Haired Ginger show up. He he takes a pad, (laughs) goes over to the captain's chair, waits to hear that the captain and Tom are at warp, and then gives the call that the time has come. Stands up and phasers Tuvok directly in the chest.
1: My favorite part of this whole thing is that the totally obvious play of his hand. where He's like, okay, now that the captain's uh, off the ship, hey, let's turn off all the transporters for that maintenance we've been putting off. Like, wait, what? So I would say it's a pretty good comic buildup to what is very clear about to be a bad time for everybody involved. I like the pacing they use on this. So to give everybody on the bridge a fair chance, like when something this crazy goes down that's that uh, not I don't want to say out of character, but that that wild. It's hard to act in those moments. So I like that Chicote keeps the ball rolling fast, kind of steamrolls over some people's questions of what his actions are, and gets right in the meat and potatoes of the episode, which is a badass phaser fight on the bridge. Like you said, his first uh order of business is to shoot Chicote right in his bad security chief chest. Uh Harry Kim pops off a couple of shots, but he unfortunately gets brought down by his buddy, Balana, his, his co haver of
0: space syphilis. That's correct. The OG pilot episode buddy. And she's obviously like, I, I will say I, to uh, Roxanne Dawson's credit in terms of her acting in this o- opening of the show. uh, She is like kind of bewildered of what's going on around her. Right. Like believably, mm-hmm. like this is kind of fucking weird. Right. And, Well, we'll understand in more context, I think uh, very cleverly done by the episode later, but she takes out Harry and then they begin the the going through the ship, trying to secure the few people that they weren't able to seal in quarters. Uh, She and Chakotay get pinned down behind a a hallway by a couple uh, Starfleet mooks uh, doing the standard. Uh, Star Trek fighting style, which is crouch behind cover and then shoot at each other, and then the second group of people that shoots always hits. Yeah. Fucking pattern. It tales as old as time, so- uh, song as old as rhyme. Uh, but a third guy pops out and looks ready to wreck their day, but gets blasted in the chest by a compressed phaser rifle. And who is it? Your friend, my friend, and everyone's best friend. It's her. It's the queen. It's Seska.
1: I would have been so fucking pumped had I not known she was going to be in this thing and just see her coming around the corner again. You know, I'm sure Netflix assumes that everybody's going to watch this thing has seen all these three times already and that there couldn't possibly be a 37 year old Star Trek fan out there who has never seen one of these once but man, what a what a surprise that could have been. She blasts these fools and she's not the only cool throwback, because again, I want to go back a lot of a lot of stuff is out of place here. And I think my favorite before Seska shows up is Chakotay getting on the comms with Mike Jonas.
0: Yeah, you might remember. We get as we get a quick Mike Jonas name check.
1: Mm hmm. Mr. McGill himself back from the fiery hells of. Uh, cat hell plasma fire. I don't know if it was actually him who did the voice. Like, no, it wasn't. OK. Mm-mm. They had someone else do it. Uh, I forget what the guy the actor's name was, but it was not the Michael Sarah or whatever his name is. But
0: I, I appreciate, um, though, that they made a, a point of because we know Jonas was a Maquis. Obviously, he wound up uh, getting thrown into space hell by Snarf Snarf. So. You know, he he didn't make it out of season two. But uh, again, this is happening in the past. So all the the greatest hits are back. In addition, we see a return of uh, space elf uh, Cass, who's in it very mm-hmm. briefly. Like we basically just see her in the simulation with her season one hair. And that's it for like one shot.
1: Two shots because she's up in the um the mess hall and she also has a point where she gets flushed out of her room i think by seska saying why are you doing this to us uh, again real disservice to Kess and what it, for this episode i'm not i'm not going to punch too many dicks here my my only real complaint about this entire episode is that netflix ruined all the fun i was really hoping that there would be some mention some some scrap of Lon Suter and all of this oh my god yes there wasn't and to be fair Because of what this is, it would make sense that the person who made the program would not have known that Lon Suter was anybody who required a second
0: Right, because but Tuvok's not going to know that Lon Suter's a crazy, murderous asshole until season two, when he's obviously... Let me ask you this. Do you think if there was a... a
1: mutinous contingent on the ship at this point, and assuming they all, you know, had made it up to season three episode 25 on the timeline a year past basics part two do you think that like q would have to factor into any would-be mutineers plans like what if the captain's crazy demite not demite, full god boyfriend q might just so happen to decide that he wants to get involved and like whoosh all your efforts away and like bring her back from the dead or whatever crazy shit he could do
0: It would be a hell of a thing if if there was some acknowledgement of the Q in an episode that wasn't a Q episode, but I don't think that ever happens. I don't think that's what drives me nuts about the Q is, you know, we've talked about this
1: before. There's like Star Trek and then there's Star Trek with Q. It's like Batman as this dark brooding. Comic book, and then sometimes there's Robin, and it completely changes the dynamic of the entire Batman mythos. Or
0: or and yeah, I, I would say even more like crazy, it's Batman and Gotham dealing with Batman villains with the Bat family and all this other stuff. And then there's Batman when he's in the Justice League with Superman and just doing fucking goofy shit and fighting people that should be way outside his fucking league, right? Like way outside the Joker and Two-Face. You know, like Superman that. level just- threats. And and that's what the QR, they're just so absurdly super powerful i guess it's hard for the characters to have to think about situations you know like like this without having to be like well we really can't do this because there's crazy god beings that want to fuck our captain so we can just never cross her because they could show up one day and this turn us into space dust and we're just gone and, and we're all fucked
1: do you think it's all i would want is just in one episode somewhere like through the list of things, alien influence, blah, 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 blah. Do you think it could be Q and someone to say, no, and you know protocol on this for Starfleet is that we cannot, it's such a wild variable that it cannot be planned for and should not be accounted for in any problem-solving equation because it's just too much of a wild tangent. Do you think it's like the reason why they had to change Tom Paris from Nick Carno is like, if you mention Q, some previous writer somewhere gets royalties off of
0: it and it creates like financial red tape i don't know if it's that but i i think it's more believable that it's yeah these things are out there they exist and there's such a fucking x factor that it's just not logical to consider their involvement in things like if they're involved yeah it's like if they're involved then fine i guess that's what's what right like they're space gods. They're going to do what they want. We, we really can't do anything except try and reason with them. Uh, Continue on as if they don't exist. And when they do, try and convince them not to like, you know, fucking wave their hand and turn you into a sloth or whatever they do.
1: <laughs> Speaking of things that don't exist, the defensive position that the Starfleet contingent tries to set up in the mess hall. You've got <laughs> Neelix's hobo kitchen, which is. Pretty well fortified, assuming you turn off his hobo trash can fires. But instead of everybody getting back there and really trying to have a fighting chance, they get a bunch of chairs and they put them in a circle like duck, duck, goose. And then they all get inside and they just kind of huddle in there.
0: Like it was the kind of it's the kind of fort you would build if you are in kindergarten and you are attempting uh, to keep the cooties out like that. That's what you would build um minus
1: the protective aegis of a blanket over the top of said fort, that's just
0: dudes in the middle of chairs loosely gathered into a circle i mean obviously so, if you're in the in the mess hall and you want a defensive position you go to the hobo trash can fires you turn them on full blast you get out the alpha wep- the alpha bioweapon cheese you break that oh. glass open and you just you just <laughs> unleash the hounds of hell
1: that's a scorched earth policy. I don't think anybody's willing to commit to at this stage of a mutiny. So, of course, Chakotay, Seska, and Torres roll up in a mess hall, guns out, ready to rock, and they get Starfleet to surrender very quickly. They got everybody at gunpoint. And wouldn't you know it, that slimy space cat Neelix.
0: Flip sides. I do like the return of cowardly space cat Neelix. For this episode, because in season one, this is what he was. He's like, didn't fucking care about these people. He was a mercenary. It's reflecting Tuvok's bias about Neelix. Right. Absolutely. As we will learn later, as Tuvok is the author of all of this. Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. I, to
1: be fair, I nailed this like right off the bat Who the mystery guy. was like, I thought the negative portrayal of Tuvok right out of the gate was like the kind of self-deprecating shit that only Tuvok would be capable of. Of manifesting. I want to also go ahead and point out right now, this is the, to my knowledge, off the top of my head, the second confirmed co worker murder simulator that has been authored by Tuvok, the first being his uh, Neelix choke fetish daddy simulator. Yes, of course. So, yeah, he's got quite the track record of portraying Neelix in a very negative light on the holodeck. Uh, I'm sure Troy would have her hands full trying to solve that little HR hiccup. But Neelix jumps ship, says he knows the winning side when he sees one, and off they go. So they all
0: uh, bring the the, the Starfleet uh, officers and, and crewmen to one of the cargo bays. And this is where, again, we see strangely charismatic Chakotay giving them a a kind of... Speech saying, Listen, we all know what's up. We got stranded here by Janeway, blowing up the array, and now we're fucking going around investigating every anomaly, sticking our nose in every fucking pot. It's bullshit. We're never gonna get home that way, sticking to all this Starfleet principle crap. So we're gonna let me
1: read you the direct quote because this is, I think, a real strong point of this episode. And I do want to point out. This is not officers. Uh, at this point, the Maquis have segregated the crew. All the officers are off in the brig. And what he's doing is talking to, to like the junior grade crewmen who are more impressionable without...
0: Yeah, the senior um, officers are in the brig, the junior officers and crewmen specifically. So he
1: says... Under my command, we won't let almighty Federation principles get in the way of opportunities the way Janeway did when she destroyed the array that could have gotten us home. And we won't be wasting precious time stopping to investigate every insignificant anomaly that we come across. What we will do is use any means to acquire technology that can shorten our journey. To hell with Starfleet regulations. You have 15 minutes to make up your minds. That word for word nails so many arguments you and I have levied against this show. And I think this is a really excellent moment for the Voyager writer's room to reconcile the stupidity that Janeway and the crew shows and really give the audience a voice about why the fuck do they do these crazy things? I got a side story I meant to bring up here in the beginning. My wife used to be really involved with Fark. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, it's yeah. Not news. Fark. I remember FARC some old IRC chat room for FARC and it got moved on to discord and whatever. So she's on it. And every now and then she tells me some stuff about what's going on there. Darius made a comic uh, a while ago. It's the boardroom meeting where a guy gets thrown out of the window for having the reasonable suggestion. It's Janeway talking about stopping and investigating every little thing. And the one guy's like, or we could just try and go home in a straight line and they toss him out the window. Mm-hmm. Someone actually posted that comic in FARC and my wife's like, Oh, my God, I know this. I I know the guy who made this. (laughs) My husband has a podcast. It's a joke. Oh, my God. The Internet came full circle. (laughs) It's happened a couple of times. And I always think that's cool as shit when that happens. Uh, You know, again, props to Darius for his his godlike meme generation. But when I see stuff like that in the wild, it's really cool. But that is this speech embodied. And in the end of the day, Voyager needs to be a TV show where People do something that creates an interesting situation that leads to what they hope to be an interesting episode. If you did the reasonable thing, the smart thing, would be very boring or way too gritty than what they were willing to put out onto a science fiction platform at that time because they had Deep Space Nine. It would have been Babylon Five, essentially. Not Babylon Five. It would have been uh, Battlestar Galactica. Right. So when Chakotay's talking here, it's your voice, it's my voice, it's the voice of reason, and more importantly. Germain to all of this this is tuvok's voice yes it is. This is as you said this is tuvok who made this entire program and we have had a taste of real talk tuvok when his logic got shut down and we have seen real talk tuvok in the Skivian episode when he circumvented janeway's authority this isn't just wild bad guy scripting this is logic and reason
0: and i think some internalized stank bleeding through well it's definitely like this speaks to to Tuvok's realistic understanding of the situation that they're in no matter we and we i'm glad you brought up when they visited the the skevians and he essentially uh committed small-scale mutiny to try and get the ship home with seska to yeah with seska with with her, with her help, uh, Tuvok is obviously aware of the argument that they should not be doing these things and is aware of the compelling nature of that argument, because as Chakotay says at the beginning of the simulation, some of the Federation people are actually in on this, right? It's not just the Maquis right. people. And he is putting into Chakotay's mouth an argument that he himself plays out by disobeying the captain breaking the prime directive and attempting to cheat their way home. So it makes it, it, if I'm going to give this episode a negative Mark for anything is that it sets this up so beautifully and then does not pay it off. At no point does any character at any time in the quote unquote real world reflect on this circumstance which is, I think is unfortunate because it could have been like the moment that Chakotay and Janeway have to themselves as they talk about it. It's missing in this episode, right? Like Janeway and Chakotay are never seen talking amongst themselves about how this came to be and where the relationship stands now versus the simulation. And it could have been an acknowledgement of like, you know, yeah, we do this shit and then explain why they do this shit, which you kind of just alluded to.
1: I will give you all of that. And I had not considered... The potential that they had to play with this dialogue further because what this episode did for me was the show say all of the things that i have said before and by the end of it prove to me that i don't want that thing and this was a bridge that voyager as a show needed to cross where you are as a viewer buying into the the decision to muck around and, and federation principles first and stick to the guns and basically conform to what the show wants you to. In my mind, this speech came three seasons and five episodes too late. This should have been addressed in season one. And I think it would have let me get past a lot of the frustrations I had earlier on. Had we got this dialogue out there and move the, the viewer
0: into the the Janeway camp. I think that it is a little late. I think that you could have done this in season two uh, potentially because you know, uh, Seska is off the ship at that point. She's obviously like messing with everyone. So she's like an antagonist at that time. So this would have fed into that whole like Seska period of her being the real antagonist. Um, Yeah, you know, uh, and I think and and I think that that would have been the time to show how things had changed and how, you know, to commit everyone to the pet to the Starfleet principles. I think it was more in question then. And uh, again, like you're saying, it could have gotten everyone kind of on the Janeway train. But even here, it would have been fine had they actually paid it off. And this was like maybe the only time that it's so perfectly set up for them to do so. And they just they just kinda not don't do it. And that's my only problem with it. And it stuck out to me more on this rewatch because we've had this discussion so many times. I think I'm getting ahead of
1: myself when I, I talk about what there's two episodes here. There is a really good what if scandalous
0: holodeck holo novel, right? Yeah, there's that what happens when your coworkers find out that you wrote fan fiction about them. Yes. That- and then there's a
1: uh, surprise bitch I'm back Seska revenge story. They're both great. I think I would have liked to see them separated. And I think I would have liked to see this episode minus the 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 Seska virus second portion of this have somehow played out and been the end of season one instead of fucking space friendship is magic.
0: I, I would agree. That could very this well. Is, have been that could have been better. Instead of Tuvok
1: running a bunch of Maquis people up and down ladders, I think this would have been the perfect way to bridge season one to season two, bury the Maquis hatchet for good. And, get the get the viewer buy in that this is going to be a show about federation principles and exploration instead of uh, a gritty realistic space drama where uh, people have a get it done attitude regardless of cost
0: but and and i'm a pretty big defender of the idea behind space friendship is magic it's just it needed to be janeway as the main character and not fucking tuvok I, i i think i made the point at the time like everything in that episode pays off beautifully. If it's the captain herself that is risking her life to save her Maquis malcontents and Mm -hmm. earns their respect as a group, as a consequence, like that's all that episode actually needed. This would have certainly been an upgrade beyond that, uh, but where it is now still works. And sure.
1: It's fun as a time capsule, I suppose. But before, and this, again, I'm going to put this little speech by, by Chakotay. Not only was it delivered well, but more importantly, I think the dialogue was 100% on point. I'm going to put that right up there with uh, with uh, Paris convincing the doctor to go back and watch his little daughter die so he could have, like, street not street, A real human know, moment. Sh- yeah. a Shared experience with the crew in loss. And the scene really sucks you in about, like, oh, God, what's going to happen in this room when suddenly... Paris walks in out of nowhere Paris was supposed to be somewhere else out with the, the captain and man the look of, on his face as he calls Bellana out he's like uh, I thought we were supposed to have a lunch date clearly he's out of character he's not a part of this simulation he's like I thought we we're supposed to have a lunch date and instead you're in here with fucking Chakot your, your old boss claiming mutiny over the crew like
0: I mean Seska he, uh, I mean like it's yes, right to- there he just caught her looking at like furry (laughs) like some awkward shit. And uh, this is when we find out this is a simulation that uh, Bolana found it while doing uh, basically uh, defragging the computer on (laughs) defragging the hard drive on Voyager's computer, you know, ditching some old files and found this. Which seems real shaky. It's whatever it's the perfect excuse i don't mm-hmm. care what the excuse is that they found this thing but basically on the hard drive of voyager Voy uh torres found this holo novel and is like what the fuck is this and it's this what appears to be bizarrely delicately plotted uh, an intricate fan fiction about a maki uprising on voyager and tommy Tommy boy, Paris, bad boy, Tom, he wants the piece of the action and basically uh, cons Balada and resetting it so that he can run it. And this is pretty funny. So my wife likened the, the run through of what Tom did as Balana did the game, the way that she would play it. And then Tom did it the way I would play it, which is to say, after reading the FAQ and just trying to fuck <laughs> with everything, you know, like trying to find ways to like break the dialogue trees, you know, like, That sort of thing. So Tom goes into it knowing what the simulation is and just has this grin on his face. It's just like, I'm just going to play this like it's Skyrim and I'm just going to murder everyone in Whitehall and just do goofy shit. And I'm going to try and
1: stop the initial execution from happening when I show up at uh, whatever the capital is of the thief. Right, right. This is all gold in my book. And again, if I didn't read that Netflix spoiler and we had gotten up to this point, the mind just starts swimming like, oh God, what if this is an alternate reality? What if this is mirror universe? Who who knows? Like so many different ways this plot could have gone. And then ban that 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 startling reveal that this is all a holodeck simulation and that B'Elanna is just playing through this thing out of idle curiosity and kind of like this incredulous kind of like shock herself that someone would make this thing. And then, yeah, it, it totally just turns into video game time. It's a conversation we've all had with our friends like, hey, man, come on, let me play your video game. Isn't it more fun if, we, you know, we get to do it our ways? And uh, the certain points when Paris is playing through where actual Tom, not actual, but like in game, Tom Paris is talking and it's him. And it's such a moment where, like, you've broken a video game and things are ha- Characters are interacting with each other that are the same. It's like when blue Chun-Li fights pink Chun-Li in Street Fighter 2. Shouldn't be able to happen, but it's happening. It's I I love that video game parallel. And this is exactly what I would be using the holodeck for.
0: Yeah, it's Tom's sort of like fucking around attitude with it. I thought was perfect. Like, this is him enjoying the choose your own adventure fan fiction element of just like doing. He starts out by trying to back the plot explicitly and like telling Chakotay he knows all about it. And then he tries to like stop it at the last second and. Save Tom, uh, uh, save Harry and Tuvok, but fails. And then when he gets the option to like join later, he says he will. And we get. Oh, you're you're skipping a very important part here. Oh, what's that? He tells
1: Chakotay he's going to back him. But when the phasers come out. He plays the Tuvok side and we get the the time honored tradition around these parts where. You guessed it, folks. Tom goes to space pokey. <gasps> I love when they put him in the brig and he gets in the argument with Tuvok because he's standing there. Certainly in his element in a brig of some sorts, uh, but he's talking to Tuvok like this sucks, man. What are we going to do? We need to have a daring heist and hollow Tuvok's like, no, we need to plan and this and that. And he's like, I got to get back to work. This is boring. This cutscene's yeah. why this cutscene taking fun. too
0: long. I need I need a space skip, bar space bar. dialogue. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's a good hint that this is a not a novel, but a training simulation because it's like making you wait and go through like this practice of gauging what you're your opposition's doing when you're helpless and all this other stuff like i get it but the idea that tom's basically trying to find the skip dialogue buttons like reading the instruction manual like how the fuck do i get through this cutscene when the next action sequence i could get i got i'm already late for my shift and um you know i can i can relate i've played some video games a little too late in my day got to work a little late what an opportunity for
1: for someone to be like where the fuck is paris he's like 40 minutes late for his shift and then Chakotay walked out there and bust him in what is very clearly like a Reginald Barkley type co-worker fantasy inappropriate
0: simulation. <laughs> they instead cut to uh, Tom and Balana talking about it in the mess hall. And they very quickly uh, demonstrate that because B'Elanna t- told the doctor on accident and then the doctor started telling everybody that word is out. That there is fan fiction about Voyager and it's a sweet like, you know, uh, fucking terrorism simulation and Chicote's shooting people and it's fucking rad as shit. And word is, is out there and, and people are accessing it. And it's so fun.
1: All of these scenes, there's nothing hammy or cheesy about it because it's totally what happens at a workplace. Everybody talking in hushed tones so the boss doesn't hear. These little gossip circles with something scandalous just getting passed around like the most valuable commodity, and I love it. And this is a great expression of a Star Trek crew family functioning the way a family does, a workplace family does, Uh, and I think it's what's really been sorely missing. And I don't know if it's kind of the humor element or the human relatable element, but
0: this is what really I think drew me into the episode. You're right in that it's very realistic in how everyone knows this is bad, but they're like they can't fucking help themselves. This mm-hmm. is so neat. Like someone did this. Someone wrote this. Someone took time. I want to know what I do in this simulation. Like, what's my role? Am I am I a dirty terrorist? Am I am I uh, some some sucker that gets uh, you know? captured and do i join after i'm brought to the to the uh cargo bay like it's it's a hell of an experience having people write fiction about you you and i have had some experience with this with what your XCOM playthroughs more like through vampire larp
1: don't say that word joe
0: <laughs> well i mean peter you did have people write fan fiction about your character Yeah, that's kind of a gross feeling. (laughs) Well, I mean, think about that. Think about that gross feeling for a second. Oh, absolutely. All of these people are experiencing it kind of in real life in an interactive format that they can immerse themselves in.
1: I remember when I found out that one of my friends back in high school, her little sister who was still in junior high, and mind you, this is like 19... 97 1998 I was, I was like 98 and i found out that her little sister had taken the yearbook picture that i had scanned and given to my friend and she was going on aol chat rooms and like getting into like cyber sex masquerading as me oh jesus and that was that oh was Jesus! real fucking gross <laughs> real gross feeling um I can only assume that a mutiny scandal holodeck fan fiction that involves you taking the wrong side or doing something unheroic would be maybe, I don't know, worse, almost as bad. I don't know where that ranks as far as like AOL cyber sex chat rooms, but um, uh, I don't it's not a good place to be.
0: I've I have no jokes that's just fucking up that's fucked up the okay all right yeah. we'll move on we're moving on <laughs> uh, we're moving on by uh Paris deciding he wants to basically uh, reload his save and go back uh, through the scenario as a full-fledged devoted member of Chakotay's uh, uh, uh mutineers team. Mm-hmm. And he's doing his evil playthrough he's doing his evil playthrough right he's just do- what i do you do your good
1: playthrough and then you do your evil playthrough
0: so he's doing his evil playthrough and it gets to the point where uh it looks like janeway has come back with tom they're gonna start trying to take the ship back they confront uh the maquis who have all decided to put on some like real real weird 24th century like pajamas they're
1: terrible. <laughs> we've been doing so that's a great call back to season one. Season one and season two, terrible civilian clothes. Season three, awesome civilian Is clothes. Is that what they wore in back- the fucking
0: pilot? Because I don't remember and I didn't look it up, but that might look
1: like Paclet clothing. Yeah. This looks like the same shit the Paclets wear. It's and it made me think too, it's like, all right, if the Maquis really did have an uprising, did do-, do they ditch their Starfleet uniforms or do you just say, fuck it, we're gonna try and keep this thing somewhat militant i i guess you would have to get rid of the uniforms right you're bucking the authority you're throwing the federation ideals and starfleet to the side you'd have to burn the uniforms
0: i mean i get the the not uniforms i'm just wondering if these are actually like reuses of the maquis stuff I, I i don't think it is because ayala is not yeah Alaya's is not in Spalding catcher <laughs> gear so like it's not i think 100 percent converted but in any case uh they're going through this part of the scenario where Janeway is making her epic attempt to take the ship back. And then Tom experiences the greatest horror of any gamer. And that is that he's reached the end of the content and he needs to find DLC. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just ends in the middle of a showdown with himself. And he finds out that this is where the, the story ends. Like someone did not program past this point. So there's no more narrative. So the program's over. It's literally just, a half finished Hollow novel.
1: Yeah. When you fight the end boss, you don't get to walk around the world map anymore. Completing side quests. It's just uh game over. You got to start fresh. It's a real rough. It's a real nineties move, man. Well,
0: it's not even like the end boss. Like you didn't even get to fight the end boss. It's, it's like in, in the second to last level before you get to the end boss, It's just like, and it's over now. So they cut to a, a senior staff meeting where there's fast forward to the end. And Janeway's like, and so now that we're done with actual uh shipboard uh, you know, issues and and real work, uh, let's talk about how everyone is accessing the uh simulator where uh your co-workers are murdering each other. She's real casual about it, of like, I understand some people have accessed this. Like, a third of the ship has accessed it like 67 times over the last three days. Apparently some people are getting some real fucking reps murdering your co-workers taking over the ship, committing felonies
1: what I thought was interesting in the simulator, and they go to kind of great lengths to acknowledge is that nobody has actually died in the simulation everybody's been stunned and Hollow Chakotay's goal was to take all of the people that wouldn't join the Maquis and strand them on a planet a la Basics uh-huh. um, but yeah, she's like, you know, we're kind of interesting, what's going on here guys and there's like some sheepish looks around the table and then pretty much everybody puts their hand up and then yeah Tom's like while we're talking about this who made this thing because I want more and before they can really launch a whole diatribe about you know who could have been behind it Tuvok just puts his hands up and says "Uh, I did it I'm embarrassed I did it I meant to delete it I didn't know there's gonna be a backup file and uh, yeah my bad
0: the nature of the program being a simulation um, Tuvok explains like at first this was a realistic scenario at first it was reasonable to think that things weren't going to work out with the random terrorists we picked up and the Federation leftovers that led them and that they might decide to do things their own way but it became clear as time went on after I had a great like friendship is magic time with Dolby after Chakotay punched him and all this other stuff happened that it wasn't going to happen. So I stopped working on it. And that's true through the timeline of the show. But again, this is kind of where the show could have reflected on that for a moment Mm -hmm. in a meaningful way. And it just decides not to, uh, where the captain basically says, yeah, so, uh, someone's got to finish this story because, you know, we're stuck out here in the Delta Quadrant. We have a finite amount of, like, fucking shit that we can do. And we need to start coming up with our own sort of programs and fun to have. Like, you know, we only have so many pre-programmed sex dolls and Dixon Hill stories. And I like
1: that shout out, too. So, like, we could make it like a something or a detective novel. And it's such an obvious shout out to Dixon Hill. And everybody just kind of rolled their
0: eyes at the suggestion. But, you know, Janeway's on board of, like, saying, hey, someone ho- finished the, the co-worker murder simulator. How do you feel about that? I'm not okay with it. Um, I don't think realistically, without some further explanation, I can understand why Janeway would just be like, oh, this is harmless. This is fine. This won't this won't support insubordination or bad feelings amongst the crew. And tap. Yeah. I mean, tap into some real ill will that
1: should be festering under the surface. And we've talked about, I mean, they've, they've slapped a bandit on a few times, but Lon did murder Starfleet and worked hard to get where they are. Like I, I love this episode and I, for the purpose of the episode, I like her just kind of having this counterintuitive attitude, but Everything Tuvok says about why this thing needs to die in a fire is kind of 100% like
0: nail on the head. Yeah, he's 100% right. And Janeway offers no legitimate defense of why she thinks it should be finished. And later on in the series, there's going to be a similar situation as to this that demonstrates incredible hypocrisy on everyone's part because of their lack of giving a shit about this. and. Since I know that, it's even worse to make because I know that that's what happens in the future. But like you, the rest of this episode is so awesome. I don't care. I don't don't care about this weak defense. It doesn't matter to me.
1: I would be really worried if I was a member of the crew and I found out that the boss knows that I'm taking part in Coworker Murder Simulator 2373. Because I would be like, is this now a weird psych
0: test where the
1: yeah, promotional how many? How material... many of you
0: decided to back the mutineers? Hmm? I guess you're probably Who, all wondering
1: why I've summoned you all here to this very large cargo bay. Uh, you are the group that has all <laughs> ran the murder simulation as pro-rebellion and murdered your coworkers. You have been designated uh, criminals under the Thought Police Act, and you will now be sequestered to- as a la Lan suitor because
0: damn dog in i don't know how crazy big brother the federation is supposed to be but that actually seems pretty reasonable like i'm gonna go ahead and access how many people decided to engage in fantasy insubordination mutiny and murder because that seems relevant to me as the captain
1: all your playthroughs are now being saved for the captain's um, private viewing
0: but that none of that happens, and instead, Tom volunteers to finish the story because he has aspirations for writing. But, of course, Tom's a hack. We already know Tom's a hack, right? Because the only thing he's programmed on the holodeck has been a makeout simulator, right, for the Doctor to use with Dr. Pell on Mars in a Cadillac. And Sandrine's, his nasty, filthy French fuck bar... Where literally all of his sec toys run around and <laughs> rub their hands on things. So they cut to the mess hall, and Tuvok is like trying to basically integrate himself back into doing the the changes to the program because he he still has an attachment to doing it right because he's got that that sense of Vulcan pride and authorship, which I get. And his ideas are like, yeah, how about Janeway takes back over and just murders all of the people that opposed her? And it's like, dude, is this fucking guy, right? For like eight season of Game of Thrones. Jesus, that's some fucking hack fraud shit. Have I ever heard it? Oh I God. love Tuvok as a creative
1: entity, and we often talk about what is the right way to present Tuvok, who is face value, a very boring character Um in the show and how do you find moments to make him interesting without it always being him off of his rails and acting out of character. I think him as a creator, as an author, uh, is a good expression of something that is within his capabilities realistically. Uh, but there's enough meat on the bone to, to keep it interesting. And I think that Tim Russ and Robert Duncan McNeil here get, some of the best comedy parts that we've seen in all three seasons of Voyager because you got obviously Tuvok playing the straight man you got Tom act and wild and it just it works and I get now you know having read memory alpha that this is all again uh the writer's room talking itself maybe mocking fan fiction whatever it's Hollywood rubbing its own tummy but at face value which is how I took it the first time it's just two characters acting well within their uh their acceptable scope and just good fun star trek coming out of it.
0: Yeah, them playing as doff as a duo is solid. Uh I completely agree with that assessment and in the scene when they're uh they start getting like suggestions about uh what to do with the with the fan fiction is great for fourth wall breaking humor. Like there's this there's this dialogue where Tom uh essentially mocks everyone taking seriously fiction and choices that fictional characters make within fiction as something that, that they should take with such a uh, such gravity i've the most self-referential thing that he could possibly do because that's what we're doing right now on the internet for an hour a week i feel judged but appropriately <laughs> judged yeah at least this episode's already an hour it's going to go longer Uh, And then like, you know, B'Elanna is like, we should, there should be a steamy romance scene. And it's like, tries to fit that in. And, and the doctor tries to fit his like, oh, here's all the revisions about things my character should do. And Neelix is like, I think you got me completely wrong. Neelix
1: says, no offense, Mr. Vulcan, but I don't think you understand my character very well. You know where I'm going, folks. You know what I'm going to say? And it's that Tuvok should have looked him right in the eye and said, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> we were the same person for three months. However. Chill out, Neelix. This was before that happened. So there would yeah, be. But a- it's after. Now he knows. Like, yeah, okay, Neelix. I, I know. Yes, thank you, Neelix. I know you inside now. Just fucking chill out do Dust Justice.
0: In the end, uh after playing some of this uh this comedy back and forth, Tuvok and Paris wind up back at the uh holodeck and Paris has to submit to Tuvok being involved in doing the rewrites because only Tuvok can access the file. So they go ahead to open the narrative parameters file for the program, which is basically the edit mode. Mm-hmm. And that's when uh, we find the trap sprung and things kind of shimmer and go wild. Systems start failing on the ship. The, tra- the transporters go out. The controls to the holodecks go out this is in the, the real ship this isn't
1: the holodeck ship
0: yeah the real ship shit starts going wrong and then in the most meta of prisons we find Tuvok and Paris in a space pokey in a holodeck that is also a space pokey so boys, double jail boys are in double prison <laughs> and they are confronted by Seska And Seska's like, hey, what's up, Tuvok? So if you're seeing this, you must have accessed the edit file for your stupid ass little simulation program about the uh, Maquis taking over the ship. Well, guess what? I fucking found it. And I don't like it. I don't like that you portrayed all of the uh, Maquis. And I'm going to punish you now. So this is hilarious on a number of different levels, just absolutely hysterical. First, I have to appreciate that this means that Seska pre-programmed running hot game all over Tuvok as she always did before she even first ran hot game over Tuvok. So this was done a month before she turned traitor. We'll find out. So a month before she begins her reign of terror, where she outclasses Tuvok at every step. She pre-programmed outclassing Tuvok at every step. So Seska's
1: CCG, the Decipher collectible card game card, basically says uh, if this character is at any location with Tuvok, pick Tuvok up and throw his card in the trash. (laughs) Throw it in the garbage. Seska like 15, Tuvok zero. Tuvok's like negative six. I love it.
0: I absolutely adore that. And then two, so this is before Seska got found out as a traitor, but it's clearly after she started betraying the ship because as we know, she was giving technological information uh, to the Kazon and eventually she gets caught having done that. So we... I think it's reasonable to assume that in that period that she has found that she's already started betraying everybody. And so she is clearly at some point going to finish that betrayal, right? And she has set this trap for Tuvok, knowing that eventually either she's going to get found out and is going to have to do something, or. You know, the, the, her plans to get Chakotay to, like, take the ship over are going to fail, and this is just going to be a little gift.
1: This seems real sloppy for her. Seska was a very great villain with very logical and reasonable steps of being evil and treacherous. This seems like a real big liability to have Land around on the off chance at before she's ready to set her plans in motion. Uh, Tuvok might have circled back around to, to fix this thing and could have fucked everybody and totally outed her as bad guy. I am not willing to closely examine the timelines here or play it all in the space of is this stupid? Like this episode's so good. This is one of the very few times I'm just going to sit back and let it happen.
0: I want to point out this. I'm willing to accept the big brain move that this was like uh, Seska essentially... Covering her bases of like, well, I'm already got these things in motion. So I'm kind of fucked here in terms of like staying undercover, either my move with the K's are going to work or my move with Chakotay is going to work one of the two. But I'm not on Team Federation anymore, so I might as well start laying some groundwork to fuck over the people I don't like.
1: Maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. I'm, I'm again, willing just to let that slay back and take it for what it is. And it's Suska back in my face and this is deep in the episode too this was a surprising part to me was how much time the episode had covered like how much content had put out there how much fun i'd have the episode before arguably the real plot even starts here and that's why i'm saying i think you had two really solid episodes you had uh the fun co-worker scandal simulator and then seska's revenge computer virus and i think they're both really viable stories and it's a shame that the episode prior to this was boring ass super transporter where it could have been a full episode dedicated to either of these great
0: topics. So, the rest of this episode is essentially the simulation turning into a slow torture and murder porn simulator. So, what Seska has done is turn the holodeck into basically a bomb in the ship and fucked everything up that could possibly intervene. Uh the transporters don't work, all the controls to get into the holodeck don't work, and it's booby trapped so that if they try and like cut power, it'll just explode and kill everybody that's there. And on the holodeck itself, it's programmed with the safeties off and it's correcting itself whenever anything happens in terms of within the story to make sure that eventually Tuvok and anybody else like a captured in there gets tortured by what's happening and then gets murdered at the end it's beautiful and it starts with them like encountering the captain the programmed part of the captain and then gets confronted by Seska and chicote and accidentally killing herself when she gets vaporized by a phaser malfunction and it's clear that Seska essentially programmed this as her fan fiction, which is the third best part. This isn't just her having revenge; it's her engaging in the fan fiction trope. She is playing out that she is just smarter than everybody else, that she is, you know, outthought everyone, and that Chicote is making out with her, and she is completely in charge, manipulating everyone exactly the way she wants to. And I'm like, which, to be fair, is pretty much real life it is but it's perfect it's the it's the final payoff of the fact that even the villain couldn't help herself but to program this as fan fiction for her desires and so the simulation version of herself is making out with this random chakotay simulation while the captain like you know like gets vaporized by her own phaser
1: it's fucking awesome it's uh it's all good my favorite part and this is where she starts telling them, you know, you guys got to run and play by my rules. And Paris is like, well, fuck you. And she's like, yeah, no, fuck you. And hits him with the phaser, uh, demonstrating that the safeties are, in fact, off. And Tuvok and Paris run off to sick bay. EMH pops on and is like, oh, here, let me help you. And he's like, oh, yeah, my elbow. And he's like uh, 20 cc's nitric acid, a little proverbial salt in the wound. And Tom's like, ah, rogue AI. <laughs> and Tuvok tries to get in the way. And while uh while EMH has one hand in a hypo spray, like injecting Tom with poison, he's got Tuvok and Chokehold in the other hand, just pinning him down to the bio bed until he's done torturing Tom. And then he takes both of them and like just fucking tosses them out in the hall and says, and you know, come on back anytime,
0: you hear? They continue through. They come up with the a, the the line of how they're going to get out of this. To say we just need to delay the the our deaths as long as possible to give our shipmates the opportunity to somehow help us, right? To fix whatever it is that she's done that's cut off communications, cut off transporters, and whatever, and it's keeping us fucking trapped here. So they get into the Jeffrey's tubes. And meanwhile, obviously, on the real ship, they figured out all this stuff. They figure out, like, oh, and if shit, Seska actually did fuck with this. Like, she figured this out like a month before she left and she fucking booby trapped this shit. This is all her. And they come to the, con- the the conclusion the only thing that they can do right now as as Harry tries to speed through a fix on the the, the uh, transporters is to subtly reprogram the 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 simulation to try and prevent uh tom and and tuvok from dying so they get like into the jeffrey's tubes and suddenly there's a plasma fire so janeway programs in a plasma fire extinguisher and that's when they like kind of start to get wise to this what's going on and then she plants a little message an ipad saying hey go to the weapons locker you know like trying to plant these seeds and they don't leave themselves enough time to do much with it Cause it's like the end of the episode and essentially uh, they get caught. And the the explanation is, is like this tactic isn't really going to work because Seska has so thoroughly fucked the system that anything they're doing on the exterior to uh, mess with what's going on is going to be immediately um, rewritten by Seska's program. And they eventually get led into the, the cargo bay uh, for, essentially final execution.
1: Mm-hmm. I liked when they start hacking Chakotay and having him become a good guy and and arguing with Seska until finally Seska just guns him down too. And it seems like all the cards been played and Janeway kind of widens the scope of the game and says, uh, we can't really control anything in Voyager at this point. Now what do we do? And they start having aliens attack the ship, right? like, just drawing the game out of its original scope. I wish they would have used someone fun. They used some, what I believe to be no name aliens that we had never really heard of before. I thought it would have been cool if they would have had Vidians or, uh, you know, some other season one baddies attacking. But uh, no, they they use these other guys. And finally, I think in the in the chaos. Oh yeah. Tuvok had taken one of the phaser rifles. She takes it from him and she goes to finally execute them. And she gets a little taste of her own medicine as the weapon backfires and Seska Hologram vaporizes herself, thus ending the simulation.
0: In, in, in the end, which is, this is what I thought was clever. In the end, in the final confrontation that Tuvok is going to have with Seska, he actually outsmarts her. It's, you know, probably the smallest little checkmark that you can put in this category. But at last, and I think for the only time that we will ever see, the chief of security finally outsmarts Seska and kills her with her own trick. Pre Programs the phaser rifle to blow up in her face, knowing that that's what she's going to do with it. I'm not giving him any checks, man that program should have been aware of the phaser
1: rifle settings and and whatever that this is where we get ramrodded the the unbelievable conclusion that tuvok could have anyway outsmarted seska uh, immersion <laughs> that, that's, broken that's
0: immersion's broken like you can't you can't handle it huh
1: yeah this is you know what you might as well just had howard the duck walk on stage at this point this is just complete nonsense this is garbage <laughs>
0: So there's a uh, little there's a little denouement after this. They're all kind of like sitting in the mess hall, you know, have that standard. Ha, 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 what a wacky situation we got into. Uh, so there isn't really much like payoff at the end of this. And it just kind of ends with this. But it doesn't matter. The episode is just so much fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I. This is, uh, I think, this might be my favorite episode of Voyager yet, man. This might have beat out "Eye of the Needle." This might have beat out any of them. This is, uh, this is that real sweet spot of cool, thoughtful sci-fi, and what a cheap episode for them to run too. Like, you're not using. This is a total ship in a bottle. This is basically just your normal crew minus Martha Haku, who got to come back. It's a, it's a low budget story yet it's such a big story that for being a, a ship-based episode, I think it really just blew up awesome. And it's very clearly a uh, Seska, we're sorry tribute episode. Sorry, we took your fucking sweet ass character and let Jerry Taylor throw her in the trash. Uh, please come on back. Let's tell another fun story because you were a great character. I'd like to think that there was some sort of fan interaction and in making this happen and putting, you know, some, uh, a whisper in the writer's ear that this was a good character and they goofed by getting rid of her. Uh, I loved it. I love this thing top to bottom. It spoke to my interests. It was great acting. It was Star Trek fun, good action, good adventure, good thought. A plus.
0: I I think that this is uh, Voyager at its finest, just kind of letting its hair down a little bit, having fun with its own premise. I th- I think that it's it's both got good continuity good self-referential humor uh it uses the holodeck in a novel way it's it pays off an idea of like star trek and and uh in its fictional like technological uh, uh framework that like something fans have always like kind of like thought about you know like the idea of like simulations about real people and your coworkers, mm-hmm. and ha- would that be weird you know like all that sort of thing, the sort of thing that fans like to talk about and think about. And this is an episode about that. And that's what makes it just kind of like, just like fun to watch. And I have some small quibbles because I think that it could have just a little bit been just serious enough to be an episode where we have a a confirmation of why it is the Federation way is the best way. It's something they always kind of punt on and they punt on it again here. it doesn't stop it from being excellent and i enjoyed watching it again all right man
1: uh let's see where we're going from here this is it this is jerry ryan man we are moving into season three episode 26 scorpion part one we have uh santa claus with a bread basket i don't maybe that's galileo or leonardo da vinci i can't tell you got janeway About to enter Borg space, the Voyager crew discovers a threat so devastating that even the Borg cannot deal with it.
0: (laughs) Is it another Q Civil War? (laughs) Jesus, yeah. Like, you know, bringing the Borg into this was inevitable. But what they do here is just you make your best villain and you you just kick him right in the balls. And I can't, I just, you'll have to see it to believe it. But, you know, remember that fever dream you had where you woke up and you saw horrible CGI?
1: Yeah. It's time. No. Give me it's more time. Martha Hackett.
0: About to enter yeah, Borg we, space. Take me Voyager, back, Martha.
1: The Voyager crew. Martha, can crew I go dis-
0: back to wherever you are? Hold on, <laughs> let, me, the part let me read of this again.
1: Let me yeah. read this again. About to enter Borg space, the Voyager crew discovers a threat so devastating that even the board cannot deal with it. Well, obviously they're talking about Seska, right? the 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 Seska computer virus has moved out of the Voyager Holodeck into the Borg collective and Seska's going to end up as the new Borg queen, right? That's That's how this goes, right, Joe? Yeah. If only.
0: If only. <laughs> so, uh we'll uh we'll cover this uh next week so the episode we're recording now uh, it's gonna come out. I think July fifth. A little delayed. Sorry about that. I had an ear infection. Uh, it's on me. Yeah, a and... day
1: late, but you're gonna get an whole extra forty five minutes of programming. Yeah,
0: probably. it's gonna, gonna be a lot. Um, could do do a two part around this. The the uh episode on Scorpion should come out on uh July eleventh, and so that means we're due to do a season three rip after that. So plan on uh the the week of uh, of July 14th we'll, we'll announce a date exact depending on our schedule of we will do a, uh, a live stream season three rest in peace for our uh, content that week and then we'll repost it uh, on Thursday as a uh, as a download for audio for you folks that follow on the podcast streams. Of course, if you can attend and be part of it, we love it. We love people coming in, talking, interacting, giving us questions. Uh, we actually got a really cool, uh, I think, a deep dive question that we intend to tackle uh, on our future police trauma support group. And so we'll be kind of mining that as well for folks that uh, have things that they have uh, pondered and questioned uh, as we've gone through season three. So Jenny Z, you can we thank you for that content, and we're, we're gonna we look forward to talking about it. And uh, let us know if uh, you've got anything that you want. Us to talk about you can always just email us at vijerplease at gmail.com you can tweet us at at Viger uh, and of course we've got all of our facebook stuff as well so uh, similarly we can be found at Viger Please there uh, just uh, type that in all right so uh, thanks for joining us and we will see you again next week peace